Welcome back to another episode of Reversing Course, the golf course restoration at Wakanda Club. I'm Rianne Kinney. I'm the general manager here at Wakanda. I have here with me golf course superintendent Dane Wilson and director of golf Aaron Kruger. Gentlemen, good morning. Welcome. We are one more week in, week 13. We felt like we were getting on the home stretch last week. Are we are we still getting there? Yeah. It's been a weird week, just Labor Day, Monday, everybody off, almost everybody. Um, we did keep a couple crews in on Sunday and Monday to haul dirt to six and then get the mix in on nine green just to keep us moving forward. But, you know, seeing as it feels like it's been a short week, you know, I think about sometimes, you know, had we not had Labor Day where we, where we would be and, you know, where we say every day matters, every day does matter. So, you know, if I think about that you know although it's been a good week i mean we seated the majority of 12 fairway we got number nine green uh, approach and rough all seated we're moving to finish off five west with the fairway bunkers so we can see that tomorrow and then 13 possibly monday um, or at least the upper half of 13 but where i go in that and say every day counts and where we would be if we didn't have or lose monday you know, we could have potentially been seeding all of 13 come this weekend. Mm -hmm. But um, still moving well. You know, we're looking at the writing on the wall, and we're just seeing, you know, that we need to get seed on the ground. So we went through the remaining holes that we've got and determined which bunkers we absolutely need to take care of in order to seed the fairways. And so that's what we're going to do. So we have, well, if I include 5 and 13, we've got a total of 8 bunkers out of the... 2021 20, remaining that we absolutely need to do in terms of access and then we're going to focus on those get the rest of those holes seed and then revert back to uh, finishing off the rest of the bunkers so even with the short week though you accomplished four you have four fairways you had seated this week uh no you just just nine well, so we got fourteen. Well, fourteen was last week. Okay, it was um, at the begin. It was at the end of last week. I yeah, counted it after we. Yeah, yeah. So fourteen, fourteen and five green and approach were last Thursday. Fifteen tying in the rest of fifteen was Friday and Saturday. Um, eleven. Eleven was last week. Yeah, so eleven or last week was huge, and while we still keep going this week. Um, and nine had a lot of work to do. Yeah, nine, nine was, was a lot of dirt pushing, and you know, there's tons of cleanup. We had to install the cart path. <clears throat> there's just a lot of, a lot of moving parts to finish off, say, a brand new hole as opposed to prepping an old one. Right, that's a, quite a contrast. You're absolutely right there because there are some areas um, where we've had these bunkers that have that have just, just been there, been there, and we just cord them out. Put sand, you know, put the liner, put the drainage, put the liners, put the sand, um, and then there's other areas like number nine, who are it's much who I call them who <laughs> are much more of a rebuild, right. and so that does take a significant amount of more time. Well, yeah, if you think about it, so for number nine, it took four days to just strictly move dirt, then another two days to shape in the bunkers and then the green, another day to fine tune everything. Well, in terms of approving. And then you're talking about another three days to, you know, somewhere between, well, just itself, I guess, putting the mix in the, or draining the green, putting the mix in the green, floating the green, and then the other aspect, 
of coring out the bunkers, installing the drainage, putting in the liner, adding the sand, and then the sod team, you know, installing the sod, and then that gives us the green light. Mm -hmm. So you're talking almost nine days of work, you know, which really, in the grand scheme of things, for how much they did, I'd say is pretty good. Are you happy with how it turned out? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, looks really good. I think so too. They just got the cart path in yesterday, yeah. and that looks really good as well. Uh, is that is that positioned any differently than where it was before? Yeah, so we took out that bunker on the right side of the chipping green in order to shift the cart path over and you know somewhat of the fairway too. But <clears throat> so it goes directly through what would have been the old right hand bunker on the chipping green. It's amazing to me as we get things done, and now we've had a few tours and things out there. Um, you start to forget how it used to look. It's uh, you can't really remember where that path used to be or how it how it used to be. Uh, do you find yourself doing that, Aaron, as you're walking out there? Yeah, I think so. It, it just looks so much more natural than mm -hmm. it used to, mm -hmm. so it fits in. It doesn't look like it's a, a massive change. Yeah, it's very gentle and mm -hmm. correct. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I see that every time I, you know, we drive by three, so easy to see when you drive in and stuff. And those bunkers now just look so natural and normal mm -hmm. that uh, you kind of start forgetting what they what they looked like before. It'll be interesting to put some before and afters uh, together, some true before and afters. We've gotten a lot of footage from uh, David Bloom, who's done some really great drone footage mm -hmm. for us with Dream Big uh, drones. Um, but it'll be really interesting to see that true before and after of grass after grass has grown in and, and see those differences. And that's one thing that Dan Moore, who's our Langford historian consulting with us, when he comes and visits, he takes many, many uh, photos of each hole. And every two weeks when he's here, I think he's documenting the progression of the project as well for us. Yeah, yeah. Which is neat. Uh, what about the range? You guys did a lot of, you've been working on getting the irrigation installed on the range this week and last week as well. What about that? Yeah, it's just, uh, it's, the range is somewhat intermittent. You know, obviously we need to do the range, but there's other areas on the golf course that we're trying to complete. However, we had to move that construction team ahead of these guys installing the irrigation in order to do so. So that's kind of our fallback to almost keep these guys busy to a degree. Mm. So, um, but at the same time, we finished our last fairway lateral yesterday. There's a couple small tie-ins to do on seven, 10, and then now number eight, but those are very minuscule. And so, I mean, for the most part, all they've got to do is complete the range, those three tie-ins, and then eight T, and then we're done. Mm -hmm. So it, it's just in that weird period where we're working on the range, you know, while we're waiting on some things and then, you know, so we're just bouncing back and forth. And so number nine getting, number nine green getting seated, that's our last new green to get seated. Correct. So that has to give you some, a little bit of relief. I thought about that last night. Yeah. So just knowing that that's done and then really just the reality too is that much earthwork. And so, you know, guys that would have been allocated to number nine, 
you know, now we can move them to different teams and do other things. All these available resources now just dancing in your head. Yeah. Where are they going to go? <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's good, though, because we needed to get the seed in the ground and on the greens and get those established because that's uber important, obviously, uh, going into next spring. Right. Um, have you noticed, so those greens that are being seeded are being seeded with the A1A bent, which is what our established current greens are that we use sod and did sod expansions on have you noticed that that grow-in is looking the same or the seed is looking the same as the sodded greens it's too early to tell right now i mean it's still in the you know grow-in phase i mean number two we put the second mow on it the the other day and i mean that's filling in really well but we won't i mean for all intents and purposes, it's the same grass, so it's all going to be the same, perform the same, mm-hmm. you know, require the same practices. But at this stage of the its development, you can't really necessarily tell that. How many different types of bent grass are there? <sighs> I wish I could answer that. I, yeah, I have no idea. A lot. So in in sourcing this seed for the A1A bent, because we, didn't, cause we wanted the same as what our current established greens are, how difficult was it to source that seed to get the correct stuff? At the beginning, well, so we ended up buying the seed for that in like the beginning of January, because that's basically when we said we were fully moving forward with this project, so I couldn't necessarily grab it before then. But it was really hard to find A1A4 even at that time, because they're starting to take that off the market and it's completely evident now when I ask if I can get another bucket of it and say there is no more. A bucket. One bucket, 25 pounds. But um, yeah, so that was that was really difficult even just to get the three buckets that we've got in order to seed these greens. But moving forward, um, we've got enough to still do our nursery, which is good. And then moving forward, we just kind of look for what's comparable to the A1A4 short term and then, as we've talked about before, then we go start interceding into greens with a newer variety later on. And the dominant extreme seven, which every time I say that feels like it needs to be, you know, backed up with like some like big background music or something. So that's what's going in the uh, fairways. Right. What makes it so dominant and extreme? <laughs> it's just a well. It's a blend of. Um, so Seed Research of Oregon is the one that develops these um, new varieties of bent grass, working with uh, Dr. Hurley, who's out of Rutgers. Um, it's just a new genetic uh, variation of bent grass, and they call them super bents. And so, you know, in, in terms of them working through those genetics, I mean, there's there's a lot of qualities to it, whether it be, you know, like we've talked about, less nitrogen requirements, a little more drought tolerant, disease tolerant. And so they're just, they're meant to perform better with less, say, inputs. And it also has a, a better stand, right? So it allows fewer, um, you know, invasive species coming through, correct? Uh, yeah, it's, it's meant to help um, at least one of these varieties mixed in with this Dominant Extreme 7 is meant to help with POA intrusion. And so, yeah, it's meant to be a tighter stand of turf that aids in that. Do you, are there any other facilities that are used have used the dominant extreme in the, in our general area that you know of? 
Uh, I know Echo did a lot of their expansions last year using Sod. They used Dominic Extreme 7. I know um, Rick at Des Moines Golf planted one of his practice tees in Dominant Extreme 7, but in terms of a full grow-in, I think um, we're the only one around this area at least. But you're able to see kind of, I know the superintendents in, in the area and my goodness, nationwide are very uh, tight-knit kind of group of people, um, but you're able to see how that's performing at those other facilities as well. And you've seen that and felt felt good about that? Yeah, I think when, when we were looking through this, I did go over and meet with Rick and look at his practice tee. And I mean, the the that tee was a shut down that day and they were going through some maintenance on it. But um, just in terms of the color density, I think everything looked good and it was enough to say that this felt right. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, well, super excited to see the dominant extreme <laughs> coming to life. Ex exclamation point. So we've already been mowing. Yes. Fairways and greens now. Fairways, greens, tees, oh my. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> and we're not, uh, what are you noticing? Um, I'm noticing that within the four weeks, you know, in these areas, especially so where we've had a, a good application, that they're already filling in really well. I mean, we were fixing a head-on number 5T yesterday, actually, and, you know, some degree, I was looking at it, and it's only about three and a half, four weeks old, and it looked like you could already play off of it, mm -hmm. or, or it's really close. Don't you know. say that. Use. Well, I just, I just mean that from... That's one T. <laughs> that's just one T, and I mean that from a standpoint of, in terms of its de development within four weeks, you know... And for what we've talked about, and trying to fill these areas in before we get that poa germination, and that's exactly what we wanted. Now, is it ready to play off of? Absolutely not. You know, because it's a new, um, it's a new grass. It can't withstand that impact right now, and just needs you know this the rest of this year and the spring, um, late spring of next year, just to develop to withstand the impact that we're gonna put it through. Mm -hmm. Feels good to get out there and be mowing though. Yeah, it does. Um, with all the stuff that we've been taking on and seeding and, you know, knowing that we only have these basically six holes left, five and a half, it felt, and cooler weather, obviously, we could shift resources from just trying to keep sod alive, grass alive, and where we could just dedicate ourselves to a whole day of just mowing, which was nice. What's, uh, as you've seen things transform out there, you've been uh, more involved than anyone, obviously. What's one of your favorite areas? That's a good question. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> I put you on the spot. Yeah, I, I've <laughs> been, you know, for a long time I've been thinking about what 8 and 10 would look like. But for what it's worth, while we weren't meant to do it in the beginning, it was just advantageous of us to combine 11 and 15. And so to some degree, I look at 11 and 15, how it's framed with the bunkers in between the two, that might be more more of an impact of a combined fairway than eight and 10 might be. Mm -hmm. So I'd, I'd probably pick that one then. It's a nice area. I love that area as well. Yeah. It true, And you're right, it looks like it fits. Right. It just... Just it, came if, out natural. Because it's only a, basically a 15-yard swath of rough that we would have had in between those two holes. 
So you like it because it's easier to maintain, too. No, not at all. Oh. <laughs> no, I just, I just think it would have looked awkward, you know, to have a, you know, we're sitting there with a 160, 170-yard wide combined fairway, and then all of a sudden we left a 15-yard gap. A little tiny, a little patch of rough yeah. in the middle. And, yeah. and Like I said, I think the way that it frames those bunkers, whether it be the four bunker on 11 or the shared bunker between 11 and 15, it just makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we had a tour today, the, uh, today uh, this week. Uh, sure. We had a couple of, yes, we had two tours this week. Uh, and thank you to Aaron for always doing such a great job in leading those tours. We had some questions come up as we were touring around. Um, one of them had to do with the bunkers. As we're walking around and seeing these new bunkers in, uh, you can see the liners. And so a question came up uh, about that liner edge that's visible with the sand. The sand is in there, but the liner edge is visible around them. So the question came up of what, how that goes away. Yeah. Uh, I know that we've talked about this before, but um, we're leaving the liner high at the moment until the uh, sod around it establishes. And so, you know, inevitably, as you're watering this, you might get some washout or something like that from the slope. And so you don't want to contaminate that brand new sand with any dirt. So by leaving that liner high, it just backs up in behind the liner as opposed to in the sand. Okay. And then we come back next year in the spring and then we just cut cut that off off and then feather the bunker out and then we're good to go. Got it. Uh, Will you need to add more sand into the bunkers next year? Um... I think we'll we'll find that out just as we prep everything and get everything compacted. But I think the way we're tracking right now, we'll have some sand left over, you know, after we finish all these bunkers to even just go whitewash them or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But in the spring, you know, and that's another reason, you know, you and I talked about it the other day, but why you can't just say we're opening like we normally open first thing in the spring because there's going to be a lot of cleanup. Then there's going to be, you know, you have to clean out all the bunkers meaning just any weeds that pop up or anything like mm-hmm. that feather them out compact the bunkers you know just get a, everything into a playable standpoint instead of a grow-in standpoint yeah we did talk about that the other day you and i did and that is interesting and, and it seems like it would be obvious but until you kind of lay it out and state it 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 didn't it doesn't really come to you know really make sense i think um, but you're right that normally you would be going into winter with a course that you've cleaned up, that you've prepared to go into winter, that's ready to go. You come out of winter, you have, uh, you know, some pick days. Up a, pick up a couple sticks and yeah, let Yeah, well, it's not yeah. that simple, but yes. Less this year than, yeah. Certainly, <laughs> uh, it is much less of a, a coming out of winter process. Uh, than what this year will be. There's going to be, you have to do all of the, everything. I mean, there, there's so much more to it coming out of this winter than what we normally would see. And again, it seems like it would be obvious, but until you're kind of driving around and seeing that and seeing that, that those details that are our standards here at Wakanda, the detail work, um, that all needs to be done on the entire course. To prepare it mm-hmm. for opening next year. And whether that's the bunkers, whether that's inevitably there's still going to be touch-up seating to do in this spring, possibly some sodding. You know, there's going to be tons of stuff. You know, right. because we got to think about when we open, we should be good. You know, we can't just right, we open don't want to be and, out just, there. and still working mm-hmm. on things. Right, right. You know, and so 
allocating our resources with our staff to address all of those things prior to and when we open then we I mean there's still going to be things that we're going to be working on you know throughout the year for sure but those sh should be more peripheral areas and things of that nature. What can our members expect as far as pay playability out of the bunkers uh, coming into next spring? I know, Aaron, you've gone through a bunker mm -hmm. renovation before and how that kind of takes some time to settle in. Maybe go through with us what our members can expect as far as playability. Yeah, so these uh, bunkers were put in in the fall of 2012 after we had agreed to begin hosting the Principal Charity Classic. And we did that with new drainage, new liners, new everything, um, including the new Pro Angle bunker sand. And we did that in the fall, kind of in play, one hole a day or one hole at a time for a couple of days. And as we finished a hole, that bunker sand was really fluffy and brand new, hadn't settled whatsoever. It needed to pack down. And I remember how dense and coarse that was compared to the prior round brown sand we had. And then going into that winter, how much it had packed in and settled through the rainfall, the fall, the snow, the, the melting and everything, and how much better they played coming out that, that original spring. So I think you're going to see uh, uh, really, really good bunkers, uh, obviously just perfect sand conditions coming out next spring. And, you know, the, the pro-angle sand is a, is a more dense sand, so it requires um, a lot of speed. I think it plays better wet than fluffy and dry. Um, because it, it packs better and you can you can actually compress and, and, and get the club in and through better um, but uh, but yeah I think I think doing it now going through a winter letting it Dane and his crew then do what they do after after the winter settle would be perfect and then we're installing a practice bunker uh, around number nine or I'm sorry the old the chipping green uh, which is old nine and so that bunker is being redone to match the bunkers on the course. Correct. And so, Aaron, that'll give members a chance to practice mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. out of these really steep faces. So yeah. tell yeah. us uh, how you, I mean, I, I think that your, maybe your bunker lesson <laughs> yeah. might be going up. So maybe give us a little pro tips on, on how to play out of these new bunkers. Yeah, I couldn't be more excited to have a, a bunker that's going to mimic the golf course and and practice what we get to play on the golf course and so you know uh, anytime you hit a bunker shot you have to be able to predict where your club is going to go into the sand you you obviously hit behind the ball in a bunker get the club under the golf ball and that pillow of sand that you hit up extracts the golf ball unless you're in a fairway bunker any greenside bunker you're, you're throwing sand to get the golf ball up and now with the sand being a little bit more of a flatter bottom and then steeper grass face, you're going to have to elevate the ball very fast. So um, if you watch guys on tour, gals on the LPGA Tour, PGA Tour champions, every player hits a bunker shot with a wide open club face. They add loft and they uh, increase their bounce angle by doing that. And then what they do is they, they know where to hit behind the golf ball and then they release the club under the ball, almost like they're flipping it a little bit at the bottom to throw that loft up. If you open the face and you pull your hands forward, that just does nothing but keep the face open and lead the hosel in. You're going to get low, almost shank shots. So we're going to do a lot of teaching on, on getting the, the, where you, without, even with hitting sand without a ball. That's where I've really gone with lessons 
lately and and I, I see going forward so for anybody practicing at home get in a bunker draw a line in the bunker with your club head put your stance in the middle of that line or put the line in the middle of your stance and then just go up and down the line trying to hit the line to practice where you can hit behind the ball you want to hit a couple inches behind the ball if you hit four inches behind the ball the ball's not getting out if you hit the ball you're blading it into the face of the bunker so that's step one step two open the face and keep the face open with speed. Hmm. Well, that's certainly an improvement on just my prayer uh, before <laughs> I hit a bunker. That helps too, but uh, you know, most commonly, um, everybody, most commonly, so I'm going to say over 90% of the people will hit well behind the line, hmm. meaning hit more towards their right foot because they try and help the ball up, their right side collapses, and they hit way behind the ball. So that either leads to chunk shots or bottoming out early and catching the ball thin and blading it. So it's really important to stay very stacked and on top of the golf ball. And, and yeah, I'm really looking forward to helping our members, A, with their iron game, not hit into the sand traps. And if they do, B, we'll get their wedge game worked out. So. And it'll certainly help that we'll have consistent bunkers as well Absolutely. throughout the course. Yeah. So yeah. they can practice in a bunker that's going to be very similar mm-hmm. to the bunkers that they'll mm-hmm. be experiencing on the course. Yeah. Uh, and we hope to eventually install a bunker on the range uh, chipping green as well, or the range putting green as well, possibly, to have another kind of area where you can even simulate a fairway bunker shot. So that's hopefully something that we have coming along as well because there's two that's as you just said that's two different completely different uh, Mm -hmm. approaches there Mm -hmm. exactly so okay well great um anything else that the members can expect while they see things growing in out there just more green grass more green grass anything about i mean i know that like the native areas those take years to establish so what what can they expect to see in those areas um like we talked about last week um it does take you know a couple years to get them exactly where you want and so for us really it's just about trying to get some ground cover with that and then you just throughout the next couple years you try to keep the weed pressure down as much as possible let everything develop and you know get to where you want and then play with the seed rates, whether we need to add more or maybe another variety of grass just in between to just give some ground cover, just things of that nature. Okay. Uh, So a few questions, like we said, from our tour. Um, How much water are we using every day to water in all this seed? Hmm. When when I originally budgeted everything for this grow-in, you know, I ran a bunch of simulations on the computer and just to see what, you know, our typical philosophy just, I mean, no day's the same, but, you know, if you had perfect conditions, you might run a new seated fairway for three minutes every hour. Sometimes you need to run it for three minutes every 45 minutes, sometimes every hour and a half, two hours. Every day's different. So it's really hard to quantify and budget for as you do, you know, you go through it. But just in our general philosophy we had budgeted for three minutes every hour and so that should have been roughly 150,000 to 200,000 gallons a day where we're at now where we do have established turf in a lot of these areas too and the pressure that we've been under you know last week was 95 with 30 percent humidity and so that's obviously going to take more so on a typical day we're kind of hitting our range of that 150 to 200 but when we get into that situation 
you know, especially in the last week, we've been running somewhere around 300 to 350,000 gallons a day. Yeah. And that's in addition to hand watering too. Correct. Because we're out there. I mean, your team is out there, I think, constantly hand hand watering the everything areas. So that doesn't even include that. Right. So the weather obviously helps give that some of a break as well. Yes. And the fact that we have had no rain now in 30 days. Right. 31 days. Which has been our friend in certain ways. To some degree, yeah. Yeah, but also costly for watering and all of this seed. So for reference, our pool holds approximately 300,000 gallons? 400,000 gallons. 400,000. So three quarters of our pool on yeah, days. Yeah, and, and one day. <laughs> Spread across 120-some acres. Right. <laughs> but no, that gives, I think, that Yeah, some perspective frames there. It, yeah. Uh, what about the traffic area? So you did talk about a little bit about those roads that we use that we've <laughs> kind of built uh, throughout the golf course where they're the main traffic areas where equipment has been going. Obviously, those need to be used up until the very end and probably even into next year. When do those get seeded in and are you worried about those areas? I mean, they're quite compacted down. From a compaction standpoint, you know, Inevitably, you're going to have to deal with that in any project. And so, <clears throat> you know, as we go into this fall and we start establishing a lot of this turf, whether it be rough or the fairways, that's going to create more access points for us to move around. And before we even head into winter, then we'll go through and at minimum go airify all of these areas just to reduce some of that compaction. And then, you know, inevitably, too, just as we continue into the fall, a lot of it will probably bounce back on its own. And then we just evaluate where we're at in the spring and then touch those up. Now, if we've used the haul road to a degree where it's bare dirt, obviously it's going to be seeded. But there's going to be plenty of areas, I think, too, that we go airify them, you know, fertilize them and give them everything they need. Then a lot of those areas should bounce back, too. How will you control traffic when we reopen the course? I assume you're going to need to have very stringent traffic control plan um, because there are going to be areas that are maybe still growing in or you're going to need to um, vary the entrance and exit points for carts. How will you control that traffic? Um, Just using some of our traffic control in general, whether it be ropes and stakes or just the typical white and green stakes and then eventually to coordinate with Aaron, get access to the visage and then our team will dictate what areas are blocked off and what aren't. Okay. I think we can expect to see quite a bit of that just Mm -hmm. because, like we said, you're going to need to vary that all the time in order to let this young grass grow in. Well, I hate to say this, but to some degree too, that visage system or any GPS system is almost as like a training tool, Mm. right? So Mm -hmm. if we get through all of next year, you know, on these certain points that we're always going to be blocking off, you know, eventually people are going to realize, well, I know I can't drive over there. And so it's just a, you know, habit more Mm -hmm. than anything where people realize where and where they can't go. Mm -hmm. And I think some of these native areas that we're going to install too, that's obviously going to dictate, you know, where, um, where traffic will be moved to Mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. When do you start putting tarps on the, uh, seeded grains? So our strategy is going to be as we move into this fall and we start seeing some of these frost days. So we're going to treat them almost like you would treat a, 
a Bermuda green in the transition zone. So if we see that there's going to be a frost, then we're going to go cover those greens, you know, at night, you know, and then as soon as the frost is off, we take those off. Um, so that's just our strategy going through the fall. And then really after that, whenever we prepare ourselves and, you know, winterize the golf course, then those will go on and stay on for the winter. How much are you looking forward to winterizing the golf course? I don't know. I haven't thought about it. <laughs> <laughs> don't let yourself go there yet. No. Okay. We, we look forward to it for you. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you for answering those questions this week. We had some really great questions come in and come in from the tours. Again, thank you to Aaron for conducting those tours. They've been great, really well attended. And thank you to our members for attending those as well. We love talking about this project. We love sharing the details. We love showing everyone. Um, so it's uh, we do it with joy. And so thank you to, to all of you for joining us for those and for your questions. And next week will be our final podcast. So we'll have some special guests on this next week for the final one and look forward to talking to you then. See you then. Thank you.